The first college football playoff rankings are officially out. Time to break down all the scenarios and talk about what the possibilities are. And it was BYOG, bring your own guts. Fourth and five, the national championship on the line. Got the big man. I think Notre Dame got it on the Put it on the board for Bama. Country, post free. And Lewis caught it on the deflection. Lewis is going to score. It's picked off. Breaks free. They won't catch him, I don't believe. Fires to the end zone. He's going for the corner, he's got it! There goes Davis! Oh my god! Davis! It's caught! It's caught! It's caught! Oh, is that a good game or what? Playoff rankings have officially come out. I just got done watching the Top 25 uh, selection show on ESPN that they do every Tuesday after the committee makes their initial rankings, and honestly, I know that it's news, but I don't really care about the playoff rankings that much, and I kind of gave my whole case for that last, ep- well, two episodes ago when I had my big episode about who's still alive. And, you know, everyone gets all caught up in, like, oh, the committee. What's the committee think about this team? And resumes and blah, 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 blah. We still have a hierarchy-type system. I mean, this system, to me, is really no different than the BCS era or the AP poll era. And what I mean by that is this is not a total free-for-all. The committee just decides who they think are the best four teams and they put them in this is still a combination of best four and most deserving four those two things are not quite the same thing but i think that healthy combination is the is the way the system has to work for it to be the most fair it'll never be perfectly fair because like i said college football starts out from the premise of technically no one controls their own desk like when you If you back up and you're getting super technical, nobody controls their own destiny. Because controlling your own destiny means, hey, there's a set list of things that you can accomplish that will get you into the postseason, right? For example, look at the NFL. In the NFL, if you win your division, you are going to the playoff. Therefore, week one, when everybody is 0-0 and hasn't played a game yet, and you start playing games, you have the ability to control your destiny, you say, hey, if we, we need to win our division or win as many games as it takes to, to do to accomplish that, and then that'll get us into the postseason. Once we're in the postseason, we have to win X number of games, depending on if you're a wildcard team or not, to get to the Super Bowl. Once you get to the Super Bowl, then you win the Super Bowl. That's what makes you the champion. And college football technically doesn't have that premise because we know there's only four teams that make it to the playoff but we deal with five major conferences and not everybody plays everybody. So it's it's never happened, but it's possible that you could have an undefeated Pac-12 champion, an undefeated Big Ten champion, SEC champion, every all the Power Five teams and Notre Dame, right? You could have six undefeated teams potentially. Like it's never happened and it probably won't ever happen, but like that could happen technically on paper and in that case only four are going to the playoff 
or if you go back in time just five or six years ago, only two of them would have gone to the playoff. So no one really controls their own destiny. That being said, when it all ends up playing out, it's you kind of do get to control your own destiny because we all know, for example, an SEC undefeated team, nobody's getting in over them. You're going to be in the top four if that happens to you. But the important part that I'm getting at and I, before I get too off track is we still have things that have to happen. For example, record is still the most important thing. You will never get jumped by a team with a worse record than you. We still have never seen the committee do this. We've maybe seen it in the seeding a couple times. For example, when Florida State um, was undefeated, made the playoff in, four, in 2014, they weren't the number one seed, even though they were the only undefeated team. But in the BCS era, they would have been in the championship game. In the poll era, they would have played for the championship game. Um, so the p committee says, hey, like we're going to let this team in still because we have to, but we also we have the freedom to change their seed. That's fine. No one really cares about that. What I'm saying is if you're undefeated, the only way you get left out is if there's four other undefeated teams with better resumes than you, which is that, that's never happened because we've never had four undefeated teams before. So that's very unlikely. Okay. So record's always important. If you're a one-loss team, they're not you're not getting jumped by a team that has a worse record than you. So when when we what I'm trying to get at here is when we talk about resumes, everybody's like, okay, is their resume good, right? Um, when I get to the rankings in a second, I'll tell you where Washington State is and how they're kind of written off, where other one-loss teams like Michigan, for example, are not written off. And part of that, the part I'm okay with, is if you're if you're doing it based on predictions, you're saying I think Michigan's a better team, therefore I predict them to win these games and I predict that Washington State will lose games, therefore that's why I don't have Washington State getting in. But if, you, but if you're saying, oh no, Washington State would need a lot of help if they run the table, but Michigan wouldn't need that same help, I mean, that just doesn't make sense. This hierarchy works like this. Record trumps everything. If you have the better record, you have one of the top four records in the country, you're getting in the playoff. The next criteria is conference champion. If, if two teams have even records and one has a conference champion and one doesn't, the conference champion is going, okay? And that's the main part that I think people still aren't realizing. They think that that's just the way it's played out every year, and that is true. But, like, this year, it's a good example. Let's say Washington State finishes 11 and 1 and goes to the Pac-12 championship game and they play like a team ranked in the 20s or maybe a team not ranked at all and they win and they're 12 and 1 Pac-12 champions okay and then the, let's say they're looking at a shot at that fourth playoff spot and the other team is a one loss SEC school like Bama let's say Bama loses to LSU LSU goes to the SEC championship game where they win or lose doesn't matter and the SEC has their one team in and Bama sitting there 11 and 1 only lost on the road to LSU I think a lot of people are still under the impression that oh well they would totally get in over Washington State they they look better eye test their resume would be better no remember resume is a tiebreaker it's not a do we trump someone with more accomplishments on paper. And if Washington State has the same record as Alabama, but has a conference championship, then they've already won the tiebreaker, in my opinion. And that's also how the committee's done it so far. 
that's who would get the tiebreaker. And I think there's a lot of people, even myself included a little bit, that are like, well, but we know Alabama's better than Washington State, so in that scenario, shouldn't they get that nod? My answer is no, because it that's just what's most fair. Washington State accomplished more in their league, which, yeah, isn't the SEC, but I've, all, I've repeatedly said many times how even though there is gaps in the strength of the conferences, none of the gaps are big enough to where I would put a one-loss non-champion in over a one-loss champion. So I just want to keep that in mind when I say things like, I don't really care about these playoff rankings. They're not that important. People are like, where's LSU going to be? Um, well, that doesn't matter. They play Alabama next week. So they'll e either stay in or they'll stay out. Like, who cares? So let's get into the rankings real quick. The rankings came out and starting from the bottom, we had Virginia at 25, Iowa State 24, Fresno State 23, Boston College 22, NC State 21, Texas A&M 20, Syracuse 19, Mississippi State 18, Texas 17, Iowa 16, Utah 15, Penn State 14, West Virginia 13, UCF 12, Florida 11, Ohio State 10, Kentucky 9, Washington State 8, Oklahoma 7, Georgia 6, Michigan 5, Notre Dame 4, LSU 3, Clemson 2, and Alabama 1. Specifically, wherever, where all the talking point is, is the top 10. So let me go through now from the top down, really break that down. So Alabama came in number 1. Really no surprise. They've looked like the best team, no doubt about it. Um, number two was Clemson. Again, makes a lot of sense if there's a team that's right behind Bama, both in record and eye test and everything, That that's Clemson. They're also undefeated. They're looking really good. Obviously, right now, Tua is better than Trevor Lawrence, but by the time both these guys' careers are over, who knows who's going to be the better, more legendary quarterback. They could just be two of the best we've seen in, in decades but that's how those two teams are that makes a lot of sense now number three this is where some of the controversy or people number three is lsu who's ahead of Notre dame who's eight no and again i don't care about this is there really a difference between lsu being three or four like who cares committee i mean like the committee is allowed to care because every week they treat it like the playoffs are happening today but us analyzing it when, when i first turned on the the special and they were about to reveal the rankings, you know, like that's what everybody was talking about. I'm really interested to see where they have LSU. Is LSU going to be number two or are they going to be number five somewhere in between because they have that loss, but their strength of schedule, but like guys, it doesn't matter. And we've also been proven from the past that just because the committee puts you in the top three, you could run the table and still fall out based like we've seen that happen, you know? Um, in 2014, again, one of the best years to use for examples, TCU was number three going into the very last week of the season, which was the week of the conference championship games for most conferences. But that year, Big 12 didn't have a conference championship game. So TCU, I think, p finished with like Iowa State that, that same day. So you have the number three team in the country by these rankings, TCU. They win their game by like 40 points. They dominate like Iowa State, whoever they're playing, and they drop from three to five or six, whatever it was like. So it, it doesn't matter who's three. Alabama and Clemson, or I mean, sorry, Alabama and LSU, they play each other this upcoming week. So one of them's knocking the other out of the playoff for the time being. Do, does everybody understand that? 
the winner of that game is knocking the other one out of the playoff. People are like, what do you mean? Alabama wouldn't be knocked out of the playoff. No, but they wouldn't control their own destiny anymore. This, like, can ever get that through your head if you haven't, if you're not accepting that for whatever reason. I don't know why that's hard to accept. If you're not an Alabama fan, then I don't know why you would care about that being true or not true. Obviously, if you're an Alabama fan, you want you want in the playoff regardless of what happens. You know, like last year, like I would want my team in if I thought they were one of the best. That's called a bias, though. Um, Alabama's not in the playoff hunt if they lose to LSU unless LSU loses again, which could very easily happen. I mean, if you look at LSU's schedule, they end the year against Texas A&M. So after this Alabama game, let's say LSU wins. They're now 8-1, and one, probably going to be ranked number two, maybe number one, but probably like number two or something after that. Alabama is probably coming right out of the top four. They're going to be in that 5-6-7 just with the one-loss teams. And sorry, they don't get back in the playoff hunt unless two things would have to happen. The easiest thing is then if LSU just goes on and loses to Texas A&M or Arkansas, I guess, after that, then Alabama is now back in control of the West because they would only have the one conference loss where that would be LSU second. So the head-to-head wouldn't matter and Alabama would go back ahead of LSU. Then Alabama's in the SEC championship game where if they win that, they'd obviously go to the playoff. But if LSU beats Bama and then wins out the regular season, they go to the SEC championship where they're going to play like either a one-loss, probably Georgia or Kentucky team most likely. Then the winner of that game's going. And then in that scenario, Alabama would only be able to get back in if what happened last year happens again. And what I mean by that is they would need the Pac-12 champion to have two losses. They would need at least the Big 12 or Big 10, one of those two conferences. They would need the same thing to happen there. And then Notre Dame losing would help them too. But that's what they would need to have happen. I think a lot of people, and I don't blame them for thinking this way because the guys in ESPN like talk it up like this is possible. Like they're, you know, they said it themselves. Oh, if Alabama loses to LSU, it's going to be really interesting to see where they go. Will they fall out of the top four? Yes. And maybe not initially, like the next ranking, but at the end of the season, if Alabama loses to LSU and LSU then wins out and the other conferences don't kind of fall apart more than they already have and give us a bunch of two lost champions, then Alabama is out. Yes. They were out last year when they lost to Auburn, but then the other conferences kind of crapped the bed. And then it was like, okay, well, what about UCF? Well, no, we're never doing that. So I guess we're defaulting back to Alabama. And Alabama got that fourth spot last year, as everyone knows. So what I'm trying to say is LSU being three or four, like, why does it matter? Like, if you're a Notre Dame fan and you're mad LSU's ab- above you, like, I mean, I kind of understand that. You're undefeated and they're one loss, but it also doesn't matter because they play Alabama and either Alabama or LSU by next week is out. One of them is not, like, we have a playoff game. We have a playoff game this weekend. We had a couple last weekend. We have another one or a couple more this weekend. So calm down everybody that that's what's gonna happen there and then so like i said notre dame is four michigan is five they're the leader in the big 10 georgia is six they're the leader from the other side of the sec oklahoma comes in at seven washington state at eight ahead of kentucky at nine and ohio state at 10 
Then you get down to the first two-loss team, which is Florida, which that makes sense. I'd say they're probably the best of the two-loss teams. Then you have UCF, who, okay, let's just take care of the UCF business. No, UCF is not going to the playoff. It's never going to happen in a million years. The best case to ever have put UCF in the playoff was last year, and they didn't do it. So they're not going to do it this year, and I'm not talking about UCF anymore. So if you were listening to me and you want to hear me talk about UCF and their playoff hopes, that it's not happening, and now I'm never talking about it again. So goodbye. Okay, UCF. Then West Virginia, which West Virginia is still alive. You know why? Because they're a one-loss team in a Power 5 conference, which means you're still alive because one-loss conference champions, 9 out of 10 times, make the playoff except for when there's four other one-loss or undefeated conference champions, and then they have to get left out. But 99% of the time, if you're a one-loss conference champion, you're in. So West Virginia has a tough road ahead. They would have to beat Texas this upcoming week. They would have to beat Oklahoma twice, possibly back-to-back weeks, because um, for people that don't know, you know, the Big 12 They only have their 10 teams. They don't have two divisions. So they just do a round robin and the top two teams play each other at the end of the year, which is a kind of a good strategy because it ensures that it will be the two best teams in the conference playing for the conference championship instead of a division. You know, a lot of conferences, the two best teams in that conference are in the same division. So the conference championship game, they don't, there is no rematch. Um, In the big 12, that that's how they do it. And, West Virginia and Oklahoma end the regular season against each other. So it's very possible, and this most likely will be the case, that West Virginia and Oklahoma will play each other in the end of the regular season, and then they'll have to play each other again the very next week. So that is tough, because if they're both good, as good as we think they are, then it's going to be hard to beat a team twice. It's it's always hard to beat a team twice. It's even harder to beat a team twice and back-to-back back weeks so you're looking at them possibly splitting those games each of them already have a loss they could each have two after that's all done so that's a really interesting scenario to keep an eye on moving under them is where the rest of the two lost teams are top with uh penn state at 14 then utah 15 iowa 16 like i said texas mississippi state now we get our first three lost team syracuse six and two at 19 texas a&m Uh, NC State, you know, whatever. So there's a lot of different scenarios I want to talk about that people are pitching and like, what if this happens? What if this happens? One of them I want to bring up because it is a likely scenario that could happen. I've seen this tweet like a thousand times since this week started. And this is how the tweet goes. One's got to go. Alabama, 12-1 SEC champ. Notre Dame, 11-1. Clemson, 12-1, ACC champ. Michigan, 12-1, Big Ten champ. And Oklahoma, a 12-1, Big 12 champ. It's funny because you could just add Washington State to that mix to make it even more crazy. But let's say that's the scenario. Let's say that's what happens at the end of the season. Alabama, I don't know if they're 12-1, but the SEC champ, I guess that means they lose to LSU, but then LSU loses again, putting them back in with the rematch in the with Georgia for the SEC championship game, then they would win that. That's how you would get that scenario. If Notre Dame's 11-1, that means that they've either lost to Florida State, Syracuse, USC, one of these last teams they play. 
if Clemson's 12 and one, that means they're going to lose to one of like South Carolina, some one of these last teams they play, but then they still would win the ACC. Michigan, this means that they win out because they already have that loss to Notre Dame. So this means that they're beating Penn State at home. They're going on the road. They're beating Ohio State. They're winning the Big Ten championship game. They're 12 and one. And then Oklahoma, this basically means that they win out because they already have their one loss to Texas. So this means that they beat West Virginia probably twice again or win a rematch with Texas. They finished 12-1 Big 12 champion. Okay. And then what I've seen a, most people respond to that tweet, like, for example, uh, Joel Klatt, who's one of my favorite people over at FS1, um, he says, in this scenario, I would predict that Notre Dame would be left out. And that kind of seems like what most people are doing. They're looking at those five teams and leaving out the one that doesn't have a conference championship. And 99% of the time, that would be the right thing to do. There's only one little problem with that in this scenario. We have a head-to-head matchup here, which I think that trumps most all things. If, if your record is even, like a head-to-head doesn't matter if you're not an even keel with a team but if you and a team have the same record or the same number of losses then a head-to-head trumps that um you would get in over that team so let's think about that michigan and notre dame michigan's 12 and 1 which means they lost their first game and then won 12 straight notre dame would be 11 and 1 which means that they lose late in the season but they have head-to-head over michigan even though it was week one that has to matter. I mean, just to the basic, most simplest form of fairness, that has to matter. Again, if Notre Dame was 10-2 and two and Michigan was 12-1, and one, even if Notre Dame beat Michigan, well, in that case, you give the nod to Michigan because head-to-head is a tiebreaker. It's not, oh, we're automatically ahead of you because if that was the case, then Purdue would have to be above Ohio State. And yeah, that, that doesn't make sense. But if you're equal with a team, you and a team are tied, your resumes are similar, well, you're going to default to that head-to-head. Now, I guess some people could be saying, well, the conference championship puts Michigan a tier above Notre Dame. Eh, I mean, no, because Notre Dame is not in a conference, which again, that in itself is kind of not fair, but it's been proven to hinder Notre Dame more than it's helped them not being in a conference because they don't get that conference championship game. But in this scenario, you cannot put take Michigan without taking Notre Dame. You can't do it. So in my opinion, when you look at those five teams, if that's how the situation plays out, what really is, is you would say, okay, Alabama, Clemson are locks, let's say. And then you're looking at the other three teams for two spots. You're going, okay, Notre Dame, Michigan, Oklahoma, Notre Dame, Michigan, Oklahoma. (laughs) I think if there wasn't a head-to-head issue here with Michigan and Notre Dame, then yeah, you would just do what what Joel Klatt and what everyone's saying. You take Oklahoma, you take Michigan, Notre Dame is left out, and then they would be going, okay, we definitely need to join a conference because unless we go undefeated, we're never, ever getting in. But in this scenario, it's so unfair that I don't think you could do it, no matter what your committee, as a committee, you think the best team is, like, you can't bring Michigan to the dance without Notre Dame in that scenario. So, do you just bring both of them? Or do you leave out Michigan? Or do you leave out Oklahoma? Like, that would be a tough one. To me, this is the toughest scenario. And even though it's running around on Twitter, this scenario, people aren't talking about that outcome in the Notre Dame-Michigan drama between it. 
everyone seems to just think, oh, in that case, Notre Dame would be left out. And that's not even adding, what if you add a 12-1 Washington State to that mix? I mean, in that case, I think Washington State gets left out because when you're comparing all those one-loss teams, again, they're all even. In that case, Washington State is the weaker of all those one-loss teams, resume-wise, so that's why they wouldn't get in. So let's add Washington State and take out Notre Dame. So let's say Notre Dame loses two games, or let's pretend that it wasn't that Michigan and Notre Dame had ever played. Let's say Notre Dame just totally messes up. They lose two games down the stretch. They're totally out. And we have 12-1 and SEC champ, 12-1 and ACC champ, 12-1 um, and Big Ten, 12-1 and Big 12, and then Washington State comes in, and we have a 12-1 and Pac-12. That, I think, is an actual easier scenario to choose from than the latter one with Notre Dame because then you just say, okay, we have a, we have five conference champions that are all have the same record. Now let's break down the resumes, and then in that case, when you broke it down, you'd probably end up deciding, okay, Washington State played nobody in the non-conference. If you have to rank the strength of conferences, Pac-12 probably is in, the, in last. Again, not that it's a big stretch between all of them but probably their last. So in that case, yeah, you're taking Washington State in. I mean, you're, you're kicking Washington State out, and the other four would go. But let's say for some reason we have a two-loss SEC champ and, and Washington State is sitting there. Well, the SEC team is out. Sorry, guys. They would be out in that scenario nine times out of ten. I mean, it's possible if you know if the Washington State resume is so weak and the two-loss team is so strong, but probably not. Probably not. I mean, it just it doesn't make sense. So my whole point when I'm saying this, I know a lot of people are sitting there going, no, 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 Michael, you're wrong. You're wrong. A, a two-loss SEC team would get in over a measly, sorry-ass Washington State resume. That that you're wrong about that. Or no, I don't care about the head-to-head. Like if Michigan goes 12 and one in that uh, playoff scenario you talked about, or Notre Dame's left out. You know, Notre Dame has to go undefeated to get in. And I, I believe that's true too. Notre Dame, for the most part, does have to be undefeated to get in. But if we get to a scenario where Notre Dame I mean, sorry, if we get to a scenario where Michigan is being considered for that fourth spot and we're about to put a 12-1 Big Ten champion Michigan into that fourth spot, then we would have to pump the brakes and be like, oh, wait a minute, what about Notre Dame? Oh, Notre Dame's 11-1? Because, yeah, if Notre Dame loses a game, we're going to write them off. But all of a sudden, if Michigan seems like the team going to take a playoff spot, you can't put Michigan in the playoff without putting Notre Dame in the playoff if they have the same record. It, it just can't happen. That it just that would be so unfair that it wouldn't matter. And think about what you're saying to college football teams. You're basically telling Notre Dame to not schedule a Michigan. Sorry, Notre Dame, you would be better off if you just won that, like played an easier game, didn't play Michigan. Because even if you finish equal record with that team, you beat them. But we're going to pull these excuses like, you know what? That was the beginning of the season and Shea Patterson wasn't um, completely settled in yet. And Michigan's just a different team now. I, I think they'd beat Notre Dame if they rematched. Cool, you can have that opinion all you freaking want. The fact is, is these two teams played a game on the field and that has to mean something. It has to mean something, okay? 
again, you can use, I'm not saying you can't use factors like that when you're judging teams. You can look at a team and go, look, this team isn't the same team that they were at the end of the year. But when you're putting the teams in the playoff, like I said, it's a healthy combination of most deserving and best four. Otherwise, guys, go back to 2016. USC was a three-loss team, but there was no doubt that they were going to hang and probably beat anybody at the end of the year. Same with Penn State, who was a two-loss team that year. And that's why that Rose Bowl was so phenomenal. You know, it was a two-loss team and a three-loss team, but those were two of the best teams that year by the end of the season. But guess what? USC started one and three, and that matters because it's about the whole season, not who gets hot at the end, right? This isn't the NFL where the nine and seven Giants can get hot once the wild card starts and win the Super Bowl at, at nine and seven. That's... You know, college football, your resume is about the whole season long. So how? So if you're going to make that case and you're going to try to break the hierarchies this year and be like, no, no, Shea Patterson wasn't all there yet. Well, how come in 2016 people were like, hey, when USC lost those first those three games and started one and three, that's they weren't playing Sam Darnold. I mean, think about it, that'd be a valid argument. They weren't even playing Sam Darnold. Then they put Sam Darnold in and they go on an eight, or nine-game winning streak if you include the Rose Bowl. A nine-game winning streak. And like that's very impressive. They were obviously a completely different team once they switched to Sam Darnold and got their swag back. And no one was saying, hey, I know USC lost three games, but they're not the same team anymore, right? Because for some reason, that made sense to people. Obviously, a three-loss team can't go to the playoff over all these one-loss and, and two-loss teams that aren't even getting in. That, that can't make sense. But they were the best team. So all you people that are like, no, 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 it's not about most deserving. It's the best four teams. Well, then why didn't USC get in in 2006? Why? Explain to me why. Because I test, they were one of the best four teams at the end of the year. It was undeniable. Everybody would have bet on USC to beat pretty much anybody the way they were playing, but they had three losses. So we all just agreed that, of course, they can't go to the playoff. Well then why do we get to have the opposite attitude when we're... I mean, you could go back to last year when people were acting like the undefeated Wisconsin. That didn't happen because Ohio State beat them in the Big Ten Championship game. But going into that Big Ten Championship game, Wisconsin was undefeated and people were acting like they would get left out. That was... And I remember just ripping my hair out last year. It's Honestly, that's one of the things that made me want to start doing a podcast like this because I was like, why is no one saying how stupid that is. And some people were, I remember like Greg McElroy was like, guys, like I, I would rather see Wisconsin get in than have some SEC rematch, you know, because everybody was like, no, 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 you're going to have Alabama, Georgia in the SEC championship game. They're going to both be undefeated or one loss and the loser of that game, they can't get left out. Well, yeah, they can get left out when there's an undefeated Big Ten team over there. I know Wisconsin had an incredibly weak schedule and their only big win would have been the Big Ten championship game. But they're a power five team that would have been undefeated. No, they wouldn't have got left out. Sorry. That's not how it works. You go undefeated. You're in the power five. You're going to the college football playoff. And if you're a one-loss team, you only get knocked out by other one-loss teams with conference champions. I know I've said that a million times. So if you're thinking that I'm being repetitive, then that's because you agree with me and you're like, oh my gosh, dude, stop saying the same stuff over and over. But if if you think I'm an idiot then you can have the opinion that you think that the playoffs should be structured a different way. I actually think that it should be structured this way with the hierarchy, but also I'm not making the arguments based on my opinions. That's what the committee does. And until they break that, 
I'm going to stand firm on that's how it goes down, and I'm not going to care about the rankings each week because it doesn't matter, okay? If we if we had seen the committee do something crazy, like say, screw it, USC in 2016, three-loss team, they're going to the playoff. If we'd seen them do stuff like that, then all these discussions about, well, who's going to get hot at the end and impress you know the committee with their... Then I'd be buying into that type of talk. But we know how these things play out. It always plays out the same way the BCS would have picked the four teams if they were picking four. The same way the AP most likely would have picked the top four. I mean, it's pretty rare that we get into these scenarios where we're like, dang, we have seven teams that all deserve it, but only four spots. Hmm, what do we do? The only time we've had anything close to that was in 2014, like I've said many times, when we had six teams that all had their eyes in the playoff, we basically had three spots locked up and then three teams all saying they deserved that fourth spot. And that year, the committee just said, you know what? We have Ohio State, one loss, who won the Big Ten, and then we have the two Big 12 teams that tied for the Big 12. Let's just default and put the Big Ten champion in who dominated um, Wisconsin in that game. We'll, We'll put them in. So that was the one year where it was like, oh, you know. But if the Big 12 would have had a championship game that year and you had a Baylor TCU rematch and one of those teams won that game, that they probably would have got the nod over Ohio State just because of how high profile that win would have been. When Ohio State beat Wisconsin that year, Wisconsin was ranked like in the 20s, which is still obviously a good win. If you beat a ranked team, that's always impressive, especially at the end of the year when we really know who teams are. But uh, TCU or Baylor would have had a win over a top five, top 10 team. Like I said, TCU was number three going into that week. So if they win, if you're number three and you beat like the number five team Baylor, you're probably not losing that third spot. You're staying in the playoff. Ohio State gets left out. But since they just were tied and Ohio State had an impressive win, a dominating impressive win, they got the nod. So we haven't seen the committee ever put a team in over there. Another good example is 2015. In 2015, no one was upset that Ohio State didn't make it. Everybody thought that was fair, you know, because Michigan State beat them. And then you had a a one-loss Michigan State team and a one-loss Ohio State team. Ohio State would have played Bama tougher than Michigan State. Fact. Everybody knows it. That was one of the most talented rosters probably in college football history which technically means it's one of the most underperforming teams in college football history because they didn't even make the playoff with the most talented roster. They won the national title the year before with a third-string quarterback. The next year, when they get all their quarterbacks and Braxton Miller's back and they're just... Zeke Elliott's at his prime. Like They find a way to lose to Michigan State, and everybody's like, hey, Michigan State has the head-to-head, so obviously they're going. This really good Ohio State team will just have to settle for the Fiesta Bowl. We were all okay with that. But... If the committee was actually saying, no, it's about the four best teams, it's about this eye test resume, they would have said, you know what, Ohio State, they would have either put Ohio State in with Michigan State over like an Oklahoma or a Clemson or or Alabama, one of the other teams I got in, or they would have said, you know what, Michigan State, that's cool that you beat Ohio State, Um, but we just think Ohio State's better. We just think they're more talented. We think that when they go play Alabama, they won't get beat by 30 plus points that they actually have a chance to win especially considering that they did beat Alabama the year before. So we're putting them in. No, the committee didn't do that because that actually would have been chaos. No one would have accepted that, right? So they don't they do not do things like that, guys. They didn't put the two-loss 
Penn State team in over Ohio State, even though Penn State won the championship game and beat Ohio State that year. So they do say that they don't care about head-to-head when records aren't even. So that year, because Ohio State was 11-1 and and Penn State was 10-2, and they didn't care about the head-to-head because they didn't consider them two even teams. They said, here's a two-loss team in Penn State that has some good wins, but it also has a blowout loss. Here's a one-loss Ohio State team that has a really good loss on the road to a Penn State team, and that year Ohio State had beaten Oklahoma on the road. Michigan was really, really highly ranked when Ohio State beat them. So they just said, you know what? Ohio State's resume is awesome. They're a playoff team, and Penn State will have to settle. If they would have actually put Penn State in that year, then I'd be more likely to buy into this stuff about, oh, I care about the ranking. But sorry, like I said, I don't care where LSU was ranked this week because they're going to play a playoff game. It's all going to win itself out. So the most important thing to remember going out, if you are a one-loss team you in a Power 5 conference, you are still alive for the playoff, and you, for the most part, control your own destiny. Obviously, you don't completely control it, but if you go 12-1, and one, win your conference, there's more likely chance that you are going to the playoff than not going to the playoff. And that is a fact. I would please someone tell me how another scenario happens. And I don't mean what everybody does every year where they're like, no, 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 no. Come on, this resume, if this is how it plays out, this resume will be so much better that this team will go over that team. Cool, you can have that discussion, but I have yet to see the committee ever even come close to making a decision like that. They, They just don't do it. And... I hate to bring up all the years and dive into them specifically, but I have to defend myself because as soon as I see that, people will be like, what are you talking about? Alabama got in last year. They didn't even win their conference. They were 11-1. and Yes, you're right. They did. But they didn't jump any one-loss conference champions to get there. The other conference champions folded in the sense that they had two losses or more. Ohio State had two losses. USC had two losses. So they go, they default back to Alabama, a one-loss SEC school. They say your resume is just better, just like the year before. The same thing with the Penn State, Ohio State thing. So they haven't done it. They've never taken a one-loss SEC school like Alabama last year and put them in over a conference champion with the same record. Okay, if they did stuff like that, then I would be like, okay, these resumes matter. Uh, style points matter running up scores at the end of the games matter right like that actually mattered more in the bcs era because only two teams got in so you had way more scenarios where teams had the same record think about how many times alabama was just default that number two team to go to the national title game because they were a one loss team and there would be like five other one loss teams but because they're the sec one loss team they're obviously going to be ranked ahead of anyone else with one loss We, we saw that repeatedly throughout the bcs era And a lot of times it was with Bama or whoever it was, Florida, right? That always happened. 2012 is a great example, right? Alabama gets knocked out of the playoff, or I mean out of the championship game hunt when uh, Manziel beats them, right? And But then when it came down to the end of the season, like it often did, we had an undefeated Notre Dame team, so obviously they were going to the national championship game in 2012. Ohio State was ineligible, so they're irrelevant, even though they were undefeated. So then you just had to pick one of the one-loss conference champions 
and the SEC schools usually going to get the nod over the a Big Twelve, Pac Twelve, whoever. So that's why that year it was Alabama going and they destroyed Notre Dame by like a million points. And again, that's a good example because I think a lot of people saw that coming. As soon as that matchup was announced, even though Notre Dame is number one and Alabama is number two, I think I'm sure Alabama was favored in Vegas for that game because we just knew they were the better team. But that doesn't mean that Notre Dame shouldn't have been there. Absolutely Notre Dame should have been there. An undefeated Power 5 school with a Notre Dame schedule is going to the national championship game in the BCS era, in this new playoff four-team era, in the old AP era, in any era. And that's how it should be. Okay, In 2013, I think at the end of the year, regardless of like what happened with the wins or losses, most people would have said that Auburn was better than Ohio State. But remember, the only reason Auburn got to go play Florida State for the national championship was because undefeated Ohio State lost the Big Ten championship game. Okay, Remember, that year we had an undefeated ACC school, Florida State, who was killing everybody, had the best quarterback, loaded roster, crazy offense, crazy defense. So they were obviously going to the national championship game. And going into the conference championship week, it was like, okay, Auburn had just moved up to number three because they had just beat number one Alabama in the kick six game the week before. Ohio State had been undefeated all week. They were playing a really good Michigan State team in the Big Ten championship. And if Ohio State wins that game against Michigan State, they're going to play Florida State in the national title instead of Auburn. Even though... Auburn was, I test-wise, the better football team, but that would have still been the right decision. You're going to look at a, an Urban Meyer undefeated team in the eye and say, sorry, we just think this team that has a loss that you don't have, we just think they're better than you and they're going instead of you. It just, that's just more controversial. It's, I mean, not it's not that it's not controversial to put Auburn in over an undefeated Ohio State, but that's more controversial, you know, so than the latter so that's just that's just how it goes and in the playoff era we've basically seen it played out the same way i don't think we've really had a playoff that would have been different as far as the same four teams getting in maybe the seeding would be different but we haven't had a playoff selection that i think would have been any different than if the we use the bcs system to pick the four teams instead of this new committee and that's why as i've said now a million times sorry for this super repetitive episode but that's why I don't get all worked up about the playoff rankings because they don't matter. All that matters is are you going to finish at the end of the season as a conference champion with one loss or less because if you do, you're probably going to the playoff and you only have to watch out if if every conference is going to deliver a team at that caliber. But the last three years, that hasn't happened. The reason we've had one loss non-conference champions make the playoff in the last two years, Alabama last year, Ohio State the year before, is because we had two lost champions out of some of the other conferences. That's the only reason that has happened. If you go back to 2016, if Penn State doesn't drop that Pittsburgh game early in the year, and they only have one loss to Michigan instead of the two losses at the end of the year, then they would obviously have gone over Ohio State. So, I mean, that that's just the way it is. The committee and the committee, because they made that decision that year, they were kind of backed into backing that decision up. The next year, when Ohio State was the two-loss team and Alabama was that one-loss team, they then they chose Alabama. So, that's what the committee does. 
that that's what's important. That, that's why I didn't even really talk about specific teams in the rankings. I just kind of gave you a couple scenarios and used those as examples to kind of pitch my broader point, which was that these rankings don't matter that much. And there's a criteria and a hierarchy of things that if you do, you will most likely get in the playoff, especially if you're in one of the stronger conferences like the SEC. So that's where we are. That's where everyone needs to respect. Like it's, we can play with these rankings each weekend. It's, it's fun to have scenarios in your head. I'm not saying don't have fun with scenarios, but I'm saying like, don't get worked up or worried about where you see your team ranked, right? Like, like Kentucky, if you're a Kentucky fan right now, you're not going, oh no, LSU's up there at three and we're down here. Like, oh, like we're going to need help. No, if you're Kentucky, you win the rest of your games, you're going to the playoff. You would be a one loss SEC champion. So why do you, so if you're Kentucky, you don't care where you are in the rankings today. If you're Georgia, you don't care. If you're LSU, you don't care. If you're a one loss power five conference team, I don't think you care that much where you are today. You you obviously want to keep an eye on all the other one-loss teams because if it comes down to it where everybody has a one-loss or undefeated team, yeah, someone does get left out. So, like, I'm not trying to write it off completely. But the way people look at it is like, oh, resume, right? Oh, is this team's resume going to be better than that team's? Well, the real question is, is that team going to even need to have a better resume? Because if you're talking about a team that has a conference champion and a team that doesn't, then I don't, we don't care about resumes at that point. If they have the same record conference champions going and the non-conference champion isn't going so i've repeated it a million times now so i'm done saying it that's where i'm at with this whole thing i'm still super excited to have it play out we have a really big slate of games this weekend coming up we have number one versus number three now um alabama lsu that that's at five that's obviously the game of the week but there's Three other games that I'm really looking forward to, Georgia and Kentucky, that's a de facto East championship in the SEC East, so basically that's a playoff game. We have West Virginia-Texas. Texas is probably out of the playoff hunt now with the two losses, um, but it's still a playoff game for West Virginia. It's not like that's going to be a really hard game for West Virginia. Two good teams there. That's going to be super exciting. And then uh, the other really exciting game, another sort of playoff game, is Michigan versus Penn State. I mean, this is going to be a really tough game for Michigan. Penn State is still Penn State. They have that second loss now, so they're probably not alive for the playoff unless chaos happens, you know, just like Texas. But they're still fully capable of beating Michigan. I mean, to me, this is a complete toss-up. Michigan's defense has been playing really well, but McSorley is just not a guy you want to bet against most of the time. So that that's going to be a really fun game. Again, a, a de facto sort of playoff and elimination style game. Penn State probably already out of it, but Michigan, um, this is a, a huge game for Michigan. Michigan, if they want to stay in this playoff hunt, they really can't lose. Even though, honestly, Michigan's a team that if they finish 10-2 and Notre Dame's undefeated, they'd have a really good case if two, if two lost teams are going to get in the picture. And that's the thing, guys. Remember, a two-loss team was in the scenario last year. And it's if real chaos happens, then two-loss teams can be in the picture, you know. So I know it's unlikely, but even Alabama could lose twice. I mean, it's very unlikely. I don't expect it to happen. I don't even expect them to really lose once. But 
maybe Alabama just hasn't really played anybody and we've been fooled and they lose to LSU and then maybe like Auburn knocks them off or they lose to LSU, they get back in the SEC championship game but then lose that game and still finish with two losses. Like anything can happen, guys. This is college football and that's the even more important point to write home. This is college football. Anything can happen. So let's just let things happen. This week's going to be amazing. I will see everyone next week when more teams eliminate themselves and we can really start to break down these scenarios even more and I'll probably just be making the same arguments until I start to see people on TV and the actual important college football analysts, you know, not not people like me that just have a podcast that like five people listen to each week, but like important people, when they start making those same points, maybe I won't have to. But until then, I'm going to keep making this point. So I'll see you next week, probably with the same points. Have a good day, everybody.